Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend Art of FolkConjure.com, located in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. In just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjureman of ConjuremanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest, Lukeianos of Lukeianos.com in Baltimore, Maryland. He'll take your calls for advice to express, ameliorate, and repeat your questions and problems about us, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening. But if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air to receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man. Ms. Cat? Hi. Well, hello to you, Art. And I thought we could get through maybe one show without Mercury Retrograde destroying things. But unbeknownst to you, <laughs> your voice went into... A tin can auto-tuned submarine land, and then came back out again. We never know what causes this. We do know it's something between North Carolina and Blog Talk Radio Central, because it only happens to you and James, and you're broadcasting from North Carolina. So we don't know what it is, but maybe we should uh, make some burnt offerings next week, because it's weird. It's really weird. It usually happens once per show. So if you all heard that, that was the famous North Carolina clang out. So I I hope things are going well with you, Reverend Art. Tell us what you're doing right now, and what's you know what's new in your world. I know you're getting ready for um, working at the festival, and so is James. Oh yeah, definitely the Hoodoo Heritage Festival coming coming very quickly. Uh, Reverend James and I both are very much in the throes of completing everything and getting it all ready to go. Um, as you know, Reverend James is also this week on retreat. He is uh, attending a Vajra Yogini Buddhist retreat uh, through next Sunday. Um, so that's been going very well. As for myself, um, honestly, I've been maintaining everything else while he is away on retreat keep making oils, making sachet powders, herbal packets, all kinds of fun stuff because we're running out. (laughs) And then you also have your own radio show. You should give a little plug to that. Oh, this is very true. Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places. Every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio as well. Um, can follow us on Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. A um, lot of really great guests. We've had some fantastic shows. Um, you know, Doc Murphy with Why Magic Works. 
Um, mm-hmm. We've had, you know, Papa G, how to pick a spiritual worker, just really some really engaging topics and really outstanding guests. Tomorrow we have Nikki Jean talking about working with our ancestors. And on the 15th, Monday the 15th, Miss Cat, you'll be joining me on Lucky March right. on <laughs> Mystics and Mages. That's right. Well, Mystics, Majors, and Magical Places can also be accessed through the Lucky Mojo Forum. It has its yep. own sub-forum, and if you missed one, they're all available in archive, along with every other show on the Lucky Mojo Radio Network. All right. Well, keep up the good work, Reverend Art, and um, I know you're doing fantastic stuff all around, wherever you spread your interests. Um, things here have been fairly low-key, um, except for Mercury Retrograde, which we're about ready to send up a balloon, get it to Mercury, and have a howitzer mounted in it and blow Mercury up. And then we'll never be bothered with Mercury Retrograde ever again, because there will be no, no. more Mercury. <laughs> no! Aww. <laughs> um, well, the... The the little crowning touch this time was working so hard and getting those books to the printer. And, then of course, we had to have the proofs come back. And most of the proofs are uh, done electronically, the black and white proofs. But there are certain things like the cover proofs that are actually shipped physically, and they came back to us. And the FedEx uh, delivery person decided to leave them on top of a flower pot somewhere on our driveway in the rain. And, oh, yeah, oh, just like, what? And I, I have to explain here, FedEx has been delivering to this property since 1987. And recently, the, the one before this one on the flower pot, they left it on top of a garbage can, okay? Around the they left the yeah, they left the FedEx delivery on top of a garbage can, you know, one of those plastic bin-type mm. things. So, yeah, we were having some kind of – and this was also during the same Mercury retrograde. Mm-hmm. So we're having Mercury a little problem. Mercury got rules of messengers. Yeah, the messengers yeah. Are, have lost <laughs> their minds. But other than that, everything is going well. We're having a lot of fun in the shop. Um, people are ordering. Orders are up. That's always good to hear. And – we hope that all the books will come out in time for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival because with what's going on right now, I don't know. It's really crazy. And, um, of course, by the way, the FedEx and the rain was on the eclipse day also, so we had eclipse Mercury retrograde. I don't want to be someone who complains about the heavens, but sometimes I shake my fist at the heavens, and that was one of those times. So... Um, the other news is I've been uh, getting into some projects that I left aside <laughs> while working on all these projects on the book projects. So look for some more new fun things from me. There's going to be some new labels, new products from the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, and I'll announce them when we get to them in a week or two. All right, so that's it for me. How are things with you, Conjurman? Things are are well. Uh, you're right. The funkiness of, of Mercury and the eclipse is, is definitely being felt. Uh, you know, emails are disappearing. Uh, mail is showing up in weird places. Uh, Mercury isn't, and Mercury retrogrades aren't always like cataclysmic. I think they do get a little bit of 
of uh, too much attention uh, because of, of sort of modern astrology and it's become really the way Mercury in retrograde has uh, entered into popular discourse. But I think that it like there are some Mercury in retrograde that like the funkiness just cannot be denied. <laughs> like you just you, you you see it happen. It's like yeah, this this one is this one is from the books. Uh, I know as like com- computers literally setting on fire. Um, having a printer setting on fire, I think, as we said, is one of the experiences you've had. And that's so true that Mercury can sometimes be, you know, Mercury retrograde can be pretty mild if you know how to ride the wave. And other it's just like, what is going on? Um, misplaced packages, uh, like, let me tell you, I have definitely felt that. This Mercury in retrograde, I had to make a trek, actually, to the post office for the first time in, like, years uh, which was very, very bizarre. Uh, but otherwise, beyond just sort of dealing with the quixotic nature um, of Mercury, it has been um, a, an interesting time. Uh, I think the, we're, we're really kind of entering in another one of those inflecting points in American history between the crisis happening at the sort of bank level uh, with, with the government seizing certain banks uh, as well as what just happened in the New York subway where a street performer, a black street performer, was uh, choked to death. Uh, we are, we are, America is really in one of those inflection points, both in regards to racial injustice, just brutal violence, mass shootings happening almost daily. Just another one happened yesterday in Texas. Uh, that was incredibly horrific. So we're in a very funky time and uh, very weird times during the summer. Uh, and I know it's, 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 it's you know, we're, we try to keep things light, but I think it is important to kind of recognize that that stuff is going on uh, and to hold one another tight and to be in community with each other and light candles and say prayers, but also to remember that as dark as these times get, Mercury in retrograde eventually comes, just like Mercury in retrograde eventually comes to an end, so too do the, can we see through to these times. We can see past it. We can find the light at the end of the tunnel as long as we remain true to each other. So just a little bit of a minor sermon of really standing with your community during these weird, weird, weird times. Yeah, it's been, you know, that shooting in, in um, Allen, Texas, was the 200th in oh, 2023, number 200. Yeah, and that's just uh, you know, there's got to be a point at which enough people say no. But yeah. I don't know if, if we're near that point yet, but we ought to be. It's really become that is such pretty an insane number. Yeah, 200 and what? Can you say that again? 200th mass killing in 2023. Wow. And wow. they 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 call a mass killing one in which four people other than the shooter die. That's how they define it for the statistics. So yeah, that's mind so blowing. It, yeah, it is mind blowing. It's it's horrific. And you know, I used to work in the comics and trading card business, and I worked on a, a couple of sets of trading cards, True Crime One and True Crime Two, and we had uh, mafia. People, half the cards were about the history of organized crime in America. And the other half was divided, so there were 25% serial killers and 25% mass murderers, and uh, which were also um, 
you know, had gone back in years. I mean, we were going through the history of it. It was very hard to find enough mass murderers to fill um, mm-hmm. one-fourth of each pack of 110 cards. Now, it's everywhere. And so yeah. to me, as someone who did this professionally, looked them up, researched them, it's it's very interesting to see um, how the climate has changed and for the worse, mm-hmm. much for the worse. So mm-hmm. anyway, sometimes I, I, I wish that people would have woken up to it sooner, but maybe they're beginning to wake up to it now. It's Let really go. a hard time for everybody. Well, anyway, we're still plugging along. We're still making good and new and fun things. Mm-hmm. And you can still get free Lucky Mojo products at Facebook Fridays on Facebook. And um, I just saw that um, uh, Dr. Sweet says he never sees our ads or posts for these shows until a day or two after the show. That's weird. Uh, Yeah, there's something definitely wrong with the algorithm. We know that. And we're doing our best. We're trying to post in good time. But remember, all of our shows are available in archive. So if you see something and it has a date on it, just go ahead and click that link anywhere or copy-paste it into your browser and you'll find it anywhere uh, anyway because it's not these are timeless and we do um, keep them in the archives all right uh, well today is an oracle hour so for those who are new here and there are a few um, oracle hours is an invention of Conjurman, and what we do is on the first sunday of each month we talk about divination And oracle hours typically are about different traditions of divination, such as palmistry or domino reading or dice reading or candle reading, and uh, perhaps things like omens and signs from nature. There are many, many forms of divination that we can talk about and have talked about. Um, But today our guest is Lucianus, and he's going to be talking about a more structural approach to divination. So before we get into it, I want to welcome him and bring him on the show. So hi, Lucianus. Welcome. It's been hi, a while. Good afternoon, all. It has been, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having so me. It's a- yeah, it's, been, it's um, been a long time that we've been knowing Lucianus, but Lucianus is also rather hard to connect with sometimes, <laughs> doesn't do a lot of social media, does a lot of work for clients, and does a lot of magical work and religious magical work generally. So, Lucianus, uh, you're a member of AIR, and you're um, going to be presenting at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. So tell us a little bit about what you've been up to for those people who are unfamiliar with you. Well, uh, I bill myself as a visionary artisan. And so there's a lot of crossover between my spiritual work and my creative and artistic work. And uh, I'm going to go so far as to say that sometimes it's hard to separate the two. Uh, What I've been up to recently, um, well, I am actually in the process of developing the oracle that I'll be introducing to you today, the Oracle of the World. Mm. So you get to be uh, in on the ground floor, as it were. I'm not going to call you guinea pigs, but I will call you, um, I'm going to invite you as a participant in uh, the development of um, an Oracle, which uh, the reasons for it are not new, but the way in which we're going about it, that is new. 
and uh, this is also um, it, it it does tie into the presentation I'll be doing at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival help on the way uh, because the reason that this started growing in my in my creative process is because I was looking for a better way, a more structured way, a more concrete way to identify both sources of help and sources of obstacle mm. for my clients. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I, I think, I think anyone who's done any, any number of readings knows that sometimes the causes are obvious and the sources of help mm. are obvious and mm -hmm. sometimes they're not especially if a client has already tried a few different things and right. hasn't really gotten the results that they wanted. And at that point, you really need to kind of step back, take another look, mm -hmm. and see what's really going on. And so mm -hmm. the Oracle of the World is something that I now have in development to hopefully help me as a reader do that for all of my clients, mm -hmm. not just clients who might be coming to me in a very specific um, divinatory context where I do have certain tools available to me that I don't necessarily have available to me if I'm just doing, say, a tarot reading. This is well, so we exciting. got some comments in the chat already. Dr. Sweet said, weren't you the person who had people drink their prayers? Yes. And it actually you was drink right your sins. I did. <laughs> it <laughs> was drink your sins. It. Drink your sins. Drink your prayers. Yes, and um, yes. Uh, it prayers, was a drink. wonderful uh, piece of work. And and Lucianus did it oh. twice at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. It had to be done in person, but unfortunately, it was never filmed or recorded. So if you were there, you remember it, and if you <laughs> if you were not, um, you weren't. <laughs> but it was maybe, it was one of those. Maybe you saw some pictures of the bottles, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, we got pictures of the bottles. That's it. The, it was really an, an amazing presentation. So um, I just want to give a quick shout out. The chat room is filling up, and I'm seeing um, Angela L, Aya, Asha Aya 13, Balkan Diviner 14, Dr. Sweet, and um, mm -mm -mm, Phyllis, Margaret, Gabor, Rebecca Moody. And um, Signe DC, uh, Wickway is up, and I can't read any more of them because they're scrolling off the edge. So hi there, folks. Now, <laughs> we're going to talk about the structure of divination. And I'm going to throw out some ideas, and I'm, I'm basically talking about what I do to structure divination rather than what you do. So maybe we can talk about the structure of structuring divination. So one of the things in doing a divination is an answer to a question. Yes or no? Does he love me? Does he not? Will he come back? Will he not? Will I get that job promotion? Will I not? Those are yes or no. But also in doing divination, you often are working with people who want to know what magical work to do. And there mm. are structural ways to find those out. And I'm sure that those people who have listen to this show a lot, know that I use um, the four-element system of tarot. Earth, air, fire, and water, the four suits. Oh, look, there's all these wands cards, and they're positive. Let's do some candle magic. Or look, there are these cups cards, and they're positive. Of course, if they're negative, we're not going to be using them. That'll be negative. But um, So we, we might use water or baths when we have cups and or tea. So one of the ways that I do divination is with a four-element system. I also use the astrological modality system, which is cardinal, fixed, and mutable. 
And that has another layer or feel to when you're going to do the work. But the divination system that I use Mm. is for me any one of a given set that I that I use, that I know how to use. And I, I understand it, Lucianus. You're talking about something, one whole level of structure deeper, which is how to structure the structure of an oracle and how to um, look into what oracles are available and also what magical remedies are available. Is that accurate? Uh, yes, that's fair. Um, I wouldn't limit it just to oracular methods, but yeah, certainly the way that um, the Oracle mm. of the Worlds, worlds works, um, you know, if you are in the upper world and the celestial spheres are being highlighted, well, yeah, you might look at the astrology of the situation. Why wouldn't you? Mm. Um, likewise, if the lower world and the elementals are highlighted and it comes up that, you know, air is, mm-hmm. uh, is highlighted, um, well, you might want to be doing some, you know, chthonic oriented incense work, uh, maybe some, some journeying work under the influence of that incense. You just might, mm-hmm. um, I'm really, I'm really trying to cast a broad net, but at the same time in casting that broad net, I also want to give a viable pathway and a mechanism to getting to the specific action that mm. is going to be relevant for the client. Because at the end of the day, I, I really want to connect the client to a source and an action that's going to be helpful for them. I don't want to right. That's what say, yep, that's what I meant that, when I that, said that's the problem. It's like they don't they don't need me to tell them tell them that right. they know there's a problem. That that's what I meant when I said remedies. That um, yes. I, I I find the remedies from the oracular method. In other words, mm-hmm. if I was reading tea leaves, I would be on the lookout for if I'm seeing pictures of animals or buildings or roads, and the method would then. Mm-hmm presumably be connected to the picture in the tea leaves mm-hmm. and if i'm uh rather than just being a, a, an answer to your question you will be going on a long journey it might be um you need to do some path working or you might need mm-hmm. to do some crossroads work because we have this image in the tea leaves so it's connecting the oracle to the remedy or the action as you called it What's what's so exciting Absolutely. and thrilling here is that we're seeing. I mean, we, the oracle hours are all about presenting various forms of divination, oracles, uh, prophesying techniques, etc. And we've covered so many traditional methods. We've talked about tea leaf reading. We've talked astrology. We've talked various types of cards. What we're getting an opportunity is to look at something incredibly innovative. Um, and I'd love to hear more from Lucianus. If you could tell us a little bit about what is the Oracle of the World. Uh, we see the function of it. The function is very interesting to find help, right, to identify and to find help and to identify and locate the obstacle. But if you were, if a person was coming to you as a, as a student of oracles, what could they learn about the Oracle of Worlds from you and what it is and how they would implement it? Well, um, so this is where the in-development part comes in. 
So I will be fully transparent and say that when I was first, you know, when the first bits of this were coalescing in my head, I thought that it was going to be another card-based system. I've done mm-hmm. a couple of those for for different things, you know, very focused types of projects. And I honestly thought this was going to be another one of those. And then it started growing. And then it started dividing. And I was like, okay, um, this this is something that functionally I see the need and the use for it, but I'm not going to be able to do it as a deck of cards. That's that's not mm-hmm. going to work. That's not going to be helpful. There's too many of them. Um, so at present, I'm using a dice-based system. Now, could this change in the future and become, say, a tile-based system uh, where you have a bunch of things in a bag and you draw one out? Of course it could. Uh, could it be something where, you know, uh, I don't know if you've seen them, there are like triple spinner rings where you can spin the rings and it'll give you, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a tarot card readout based on, on where the things land? Uh, could be. But right now it's dice-based. That was not my first choice, but when I was oh, looking at the structure of it, which is divisions and divisions and divisions, and I was like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I need a way where I can get equally weighted um, ways of generating numbers in a division of three. Well, the easiest way I know how to do that is with a die. That's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, and I, I do a lot of shell divination as well, but as anyone who has done anything with the Dilogun knows, your chances of getting a given outcome are not the same. There's some mm-hmm. outcomes that are going to come up right. more often than others, and that's baked into the system. It's appropriate. It's that's mm-hmm. that's how it's structured. That that type of um, biasing was something that was not appropriate for the levels of division that I was getting as this thing started to take form. It's like, okay, I need divisions of three, I need divisions of four, I need divisions of eight in some cases. Okay, it's going to be polyhedral dice. Okay, fortunately, they're readily available, and I will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fascinating seeing it evolve in that way. It's so interesting. Uh, so your background in De Lagoon plays, or your understanding of De Lagoon plays a role in how this has evolved as a type of dice divination or using it, uh, or using this sort of sortilege method. Um, to the extent that one of the things that I find so powerful about De Lagoon is not simply the fact that you can get, you know, a letra out of it. That's important, mm-hmm. very important. But also, after that, to see where the blessings come from, where the difficulties come from. And you can right. get an incredible amount of detail about that. And invariably, that's going to connect you with what needs to be done to address the issue that you're seeing in the letra. So... Again, it's not going to be appropriate for most of my clients to go uh, to me for a Dilogun reading. Uh, it's not their tradition, and there's things that I might open that uh, would not necessarily be for their benefit if they were open. But how do I get that same level of structural, action-oriented detail for my clients? in an appropriate and culturally appropriate way. Um, am I going to take the method that I know from Dilagoon? No. 
I'm not. Am I going to engage with creation and ask to be allowed to develop a method and an oracle that will help me give my clients mm-hmm. the information that they need? Yes, of course. That's what I'm very here cool. for. <laughs> uh, that so, is very um, cool. We have a question, and um, the question mm-hmm. is from Ayasha Aya. And um, let's see if I can scroll back. What I wonder is that since things are always in a state of change, nothing is fixed. Once you've had a reading, does anyone else make a decision, pray over it, and then do another reading, then proceed to the cure? I'm going to answer it for myself. No. I do the reading. I make my decision. And then I do the work. And then I do a check reading on will that work be successful. That's just me. How about you guys? Luciana? Uh, So in many cases, that's going to depend on the type of divination that I'm doing. Uh, Some methods of divination kind of have that built in. Uh, You know, if I'm doing a card reading and it is coming out, you know, a yes or a no, and I'm seeing a no, and they're like, oh, but isn't there anything that can be done? It's like, well, okay, let me look at the cards that are reversed. And what happens if those issues are addressed? And that becomes a second line of questioning. Um, Mm. In some cases, the same can be done with OB reading. Uh, OB reading, if you design the yes-no questions appropriately, very powerful. And uh, Mm. in many cases, you may find you run into a dead end in some ways. It's not that you ask the same question again, because if you know the answer to the question, why are you asking it again? You're going to get a yes. And basically Mm. what it says, you're asking, really? And the oracle says, yes, really. That's what it is. Um, can I ask, can I, I just I put in here, I want to ask about polyhedral dice, okay? So sure. tell me, when you say polyhedral dice, um, how many dice, because dice is plural, and how many faces mm-hmm. on each die? So for the uh, divisions of three, I'm using either a 12-sided die or a six-sided die, depending on what level I'm looking at. For the initial... Um, Upper, middle, lower, I'm always using a 12-sided die. Uh, For my divisions of eight, well, that's where the eight-sided die comes in. And for the um, subsequent levels where I'm looking at four possible outcomes, I'm using a four-sided die. So, yes, your your standard Dungeons & Dragons dice will provide you with all the shapes that you need. So, so wait a minute. Now let's just go a little further here because I'm still trying to mm-hmm. figure out how I could use this system. So when you're saying mm-hmm. you're looking at something that might have four possibilities, you're going to use a four-sided die. Um, if you're going to well, use Well, I, I should also say I, I've already defined the things that have four possibilities. So if something is at the elemental level, I'm going to go further. I'm going to divide that into four: fire, air, or water, earth. Oh, I, I see. So you're using yeah. okay. So there's a sec, there's a there's a hidden transparent layer here of correspondences. In other words, mm-hmm. if the answer would be in terms of houses or signs of the zodiac, you're going to go to a twelve-sided die because it's a twelve-sided question. Um, ah, doing, now I'm beginning doing, to get it. Okay. And that gives me that gave me some difficulties with the classical planets because of course there's seven. So for the planetary spheres, I have the seven classical, and I also have the realm of the fixed stars, which gives me eight. And oh, okay, I've got a die that does eight. Wonderful, excellent. Got it, got it. Yeah, or you could you know go to more 
new planets, but I, I use the seven classical planets myself as well. Yeah, well, um, actually, they do make a 12-sided die with, uh, with the uh, astrological planets and nodes, and I think there's another one with, like, the, the, the signs of the zodiac. So to the, yes, these to dice the are actually already of, out there. <laughs> to the making of dice, there is no end. Um, there are That's some true. very good astrological dice that uh, come with um, zodiac signs, planets, and houses, and you throw three of them. One for the house, one for the, you know, I mean, it's just the three dice. Mm-hmm. And for the planets, yes, it is eight-sided. Um, so, yeah, that's a very interesting way to work. And I think what, they also put a star. They're just saying, you know, look for a fixed star or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think those come out of England. Do you know the, the ones I'm talking about? They were popular about 10, 15 years ago. I, I nice. know that I see... I see them from lots of different sellers on Etsy, uh, mm-hmm. so I, I'm I'm going to guess there's probably multiple makers at this point. Yeah, yeah, I I, I remember I had to import them from England <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> so it, so when you have um, a situation that's binary, what are you going to do? Well, so if it's binary, I've got lots of different options. I can flip a coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for that matter, I can flip a uh, an open cowrie shell since I usually have at least some of those lying around as well. Of course. Um, yes. So, but I can also take any of the dies which are divisible by two, which is all of them, and simply say, okay, well, if it's a yes/no question, one t- one and two are going to be no, and three and four are going to be yes. Roll the die, see what I get on the four-sided die. Um, so it, or alternately, I, I, you could go evens and odds, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The important thing is to define it in advance. Right. So as long as you said, okay, odds are no, evens are yes. Roll mm-hmm. the die, see what you get. Right. So this is similar to some um, card uh, cutting methods like the four aces method where um, although you, you start off with 52 cards, you end up with just counting where the aces come out, the four aces. And you count how many mm-hmm. aces you get in your first pack of 13 if you get one ace, two ace, three aces, or four aces. But it's but ultimately, it's four packs of 13. So you're, you know, you're dividing it up by fours. There's, I see, I love the math of these things. And I love the way when you're working and inventing your own system, uh, you can build cool math into it, I guess is what I would say. But I I also sense in what you're doing, you're very influenced by Obi and Dilagoon, which have been your uh, kind of go-to methods for more than a decade, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, going on 20 years at this point. 20 years? Oh my gosh, it's been that long. Yeah, yeah, since, so, uh, since the late 90s. Yeah. So those methods are um, West African and they use um, palm kernels or cowries or different, depending on, you know, cold and nuts, whatever, you know, whatever is available that can be read in two ways. Broken pieces Uh of coconut shell and so forth. Right. Um, You could even use coins and I've seen people do it, Uh, although the purists frown on that. (laughs) Yeah, well, when all you got is four pennies, guess what you're going to be using? That's right. 
So for those unfamiliar with OBI, it's a system that uses um, four, we could call them tokens, to produce five answers. And which you just have to look at the math. But if you want to get that book I wrote, Throwing the Bones, the math is all explained. And there's also long books on OB that will explain it in much more depth. Mm. But um, there are ways mathematically to do that. And also, um, Dilagoon is a much more complex system with many more calories and ends up with, I believe, 256 answers, which, interestingly enough, is the same number of answers as you would get with the I Ching, starting off with three coins <laughs> so math is wonderful math is math is fun uh, math is the math diviner's is friend <laughs> i i say math is the diviner's friend but it's not the magician's friend <laughs> i like that that's a good <laughs> distinction <laughs> yeah. so let's let's the, see what, if we what, can oh go ahead contraband I was just going to mention that I, I, in addition to um, the approach of the of, and all these complexities, I do like the framework of the world as well. That is really great because divination systems require location, if you will, or they require some type of schema, a sort of map on which it's happening, whether you're using uh, spreads or whatnot. The use of the worlds here is really, really cool. I'm very excited to see how that's going to play out and look. Well, there's our music, and we're going to be talking to two clients, and I believe we're going to get Lukianus to show us some of the Oracle of the Worlds. So let's turn this over to our announcer, Reverend Hart. Stay tuned to Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with your hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. And this week's special guest, Luke will right back. Call listeners and questions through your definition and prescribing down-home conjurarities and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the forum and you have not already done so, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our hosts. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller. So our first caller for today is LaFlora calling from area code 831. LaFlora, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Hello, LaFlora. Yes, yes, we can. Thank you so much. So LaFlora writes, she wants to know what is going on with her beloved entity. Things are going pretty well for a while, but then they've recently turned cold in the first court appearance, you comment on previous reading. (laughs) She did a lot of root work to enable a positive outcome for him. She wants to know where things stand. Does she have competition, in parenthesis, where things are heading, and what I can do to increase his affection and communication towards me. And she currently has a honey jar working. Over to you, Ms. Kat. All right. All right. LaFlora, first of all, what is your sign of the zodiac? I'm a Sagittarius. 
Sagittarius. And what is your beloved's sign of the zodiac? Aquarius. Aha, I remember this well. <laughs> I just wanted to get it written yeah. down. All right. Um, so um, let's turn this over um, to Contraman for the first reading because I know quite a bit about this case, I think, and I want to make sure that someone gets in on reading it who may have a, a different attitude toward it. So things have been going well. He had a court appearance, did a lot of root work, had a positive outcome, and now he's ghosting you. Okay. So um, the question is, where do things stand? Do I have competition? Where are things heading? And what can I do to increase his affection and communication? So take it away, Conjurman. Thanks for that recap, Kat. Can I just ask a couple of clarifying questions? Because sorry, I, for whatever reason, the audio cut out. I could be on my end. I'm not sure, but I didn't hear quite the beginning of, of the the client of Lafleur's situation. So, is this a romantic partnership with a person? Because there's there's seems to be like a romance element and a court case element. So, I'm a little. If I could just get a clarification on uh, specifically uh, what is going on in this case, because I had the audio cut out for me. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to uh, quickly just run it over. But I'm going to do real quick. She says, "I want to know what is going on with my beloved and I. Things were going pretty well for a while, but then they have recently turned cold, and he is ghosting me after his court appearance." See comment on previous reading. I did a lot of root work to enable a positive outcome for him in the court case. I want to know where things stand. Do I have competition, where things are heading, and what I can do to increase his affection and communication toward me. I have a honey jar working on my altar now. Okay? Thank you. That's perfect. That's very, very useful. Uh, yeah, I can, I'm can. i more than happy to take a look at the situation. First, congratulations on, on being successful with the root work that you did in order to get some type of favorable outcome. Uh, it's always frustrating when, you, when you're working on behalf of someone and you get sort of results, but then uh, things don't quite go the, the way that you uh, hope or you don't get quite the response. What I'm going to do here is I'm actually going to do a quick uh, astrological analysis. I'm, I don't know the oracle of the world, otherwise I would join Lucianus in, in, in providing it. So I'm just going to do my own method here. Uh, I cast a, a horror chart here for your questions to see what is going on in this uh, situation. Is there a rival or whatnot? We look to the ascendant. The ascendant will represent you, the person who is asking the question. It is Scorpio. So we look to the ruler of Scorpio, which is Mars, and Mars is fallen. Mars is fallen in Cancer, indicating a not a particularly good position to be in. It's an indication that things may be headed south. Uh, and and it's in sort of the last stages of Cancer. It'll rem- I mean, remain in Cancer for a little while longer before finally transiting into the uh, into uh, Leo. We look to the seventh house, which is the indication for your partner, and that is Taurus. So we look to see where the ruler of Taurus is and what connections are being made. And the ruler of Taurus is uh, Venus, and Venus is in Cancer. Not a bad position, but not exactly a good position uh, either. It's not the ideal, but it has some uh, power there. There's in its own, what's known as its triplicity lord. It's also in its own decan, indicating that this person in this situation has more power or more 
or uh, ability to act than you do. So there is so you're coming at this from a position of disadvantage. Even if you're doing root work, even if you're doing honey drone work, there is an indication here that something is slightly off. Now, the key to understanding this relationship is the interaction between Mars and Venus. Mars and Venus, despite both being in Cancer here, Venus has the upper element. Venus is a little bit stronger than that Mars is, who has fallen, doing an, is not in a particularly good position. Venus and Mars are not meeting. They're not making any aspect to one another. In other words, they're not seeing eye to eye, despite being in the same sign. It's like being in the same room, but not communicating. So it's quite literally describing the sort of lack of communication or the ghosting that is sort of happening here. What is particularly significant is that there's going to be a game in which both of these planets will eventually move into Leo. But once Venus moves into Leo, it's then going to go retrograde. It's going to move backwards. So what does this tell us? This tells us that there is a great deal of unreliability that there's a great deal of unreliability in regards to this partner, that you should not be surprised if suddenly they will warm up to you over the next few weeks, if they'll start speaking to you over the next few weeks, and then suddenly disappear yet again. That there's a sort of back and forth that hot and cold that will happen over the past several uh, weeks. This is not... Uh, don't be surprised by that, that that's the sort of timeline that will show up, that you're going to see an erraticness in this partner's behavior or in your beloved's behavior. And that erraticness is part of who they are. Now, you can do some magical work in order to make them more reliable, in order to stabilize the love between the two of you, but there is an issue here. There is an unreliability on their part. You're not able to quite get them to be where you are, and they have more uh, power than you do in this situation. So you might require an intervention, meaning someone other than you might need to do root work. You're going to get some really good root work advice that you can implement, but at some point it might be worthwhile to consider bringing someone else in because the person you're working on seems to have the advantage. Now, the next element is, is there a third party? Is there somebody else uh, that, that's, being, that's involved here? Uh, and the answer is very clearly a yes. And the reason for that is that Venus is going to move into an aspect with Saturn. In other words, it means before Venus who represents your partner, can meet you before they can come to meet you, before there's a connection with that Mars, that Saturn will intervene. It's first going to make a connection with that Saturn. That represents literally a third party that comes between the two of you. This third party is likely going to be Saturnian themselves. This might be someone they have some type of connection with at the philosophical level is rival. It is someone who will intervene, interfere, and who will be a rival for your beloved. I don't know whether they, they're, they're a thing, it's a fling or something, but it does indicate that this person will be an obstacle to you two getting together. This person is also relatively powerful. This person may be just a little bit, there's something about them that's slightly different. So there may be, for example, an age gap to be aware of, or there may be a sort of class difference between them, maybe religious difference or racial difference. There's something about them that is different 
They're different from your partner. They're different from you. So just be aware. It could just be like an age gap thing, right? That Venus, Saturn would indicate some type of age gap, older, younger. So be mindful of that. That can help narrow down who this rival is. You will need to do some type of magical intervention in order to eliminate this rival removal them from the picture. The good thing is that Saturn is in Pisces, which is the exaltation of, of, of Venus meaning that something can happen here. But be mindful that part of this exaltation indicates some level of delusion. They're looking at this person through rose-colored glasses. They're looking at this person in sort of the best light possible. Why for you is that you can break the illusion. So you might do some type of freezer work, truth work, breakup work, separation work, or to eliminate, or even hotspot work, to eliminate this rival, reveal them to be a not a good choice, and then you're going to have to work with an ally, some type of root worker or spiritual consultant, who can intervene and draw your beloved back to you for a more favorable result. That's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to Lucianus, who's going to do your next reading. Okay, thank you, Conjurman. Hi, LaFlora. Um, so while uh, Conjurman was talking through uh, the horary uh, implications of your situation, um, I have been running the Oracle of the Worlds for you. And so where where is your source of help in this situation? Well, the first set of divisions, we find that it comes from the lower world. Going on to our second set of divisions within the lower world, we find that your help is going to come from the ancestors, and specifically your ancestors. I don't know if you are currently doing any type of ancestor work, if you maintain an ancestor altar, but uh, I'm going to say that your ancestors and connecting with them, praying to them, talking about your hopes, uh, both in general uh, for partnership and in specifics to this situation with your beloved, um, talk to them about your hopes for this. Talk about the difficulties you're currently experiencing, your uncertainties, and ask for their assistance in bringing you the best possible outcome to your situation. So, Lafora, do do you currently maintain a practice? either an ancestor altar or yeah. even an informal practice? Yes, um, I definitely do. And thank you for clarifying that it's my ancestors um, because it's mm-hmm. very often his ancestors that come to me. Um, so well, that doesn't mean you can't clarify. talk to them. It never hurts to be on good terms, but make sure you're, you're working with your ancestors because they're the ones with your interests at heart. All right. Do you have any um, more advice? Um, so, in according to the ways in which you work, um, I would, I personally, always recommend doing candle work and elevation for your ancestors. Give them light. Give them warmth. Check in with them at least weekly. But you know, if things are going poorly, maybe daily. Uh, I would actually write out a letter to them. Write it out, put it under a glass of water, sleep on it, pay attention to your dreams. Uh, if there is someone in the circle of your ancestors that you're already close to, particularly if it's someone who is very good at human relationships in life, 
talk to them, engage them directly, do dream work for them. Uh, again, really bring in the best of their intervention and insight that they may have in this situation. Great. Okay, now I want to point out something. Contramen used a horary astrology, and you used the Oracle of the Worlds, and you both arrived at mm-hmm. something which I don't know that you knew how exactly identical they were. He saw Saturn, actually he sees Venus as applying to a trine to Saturn, and Saturn would be ancestors, the dead, um, older mm-hmm. people. And he said, well, maybe this is somebody who is an older person. And I was going, yeah, but it's an applying trine. And Saturn is almost like carrying, what, you, as what Contraman said was, Venus is moving up to be with Mars, but Saturn makes an aspect to Saturn first. Saturn intervenes. So this, to me, says, very similar to what Lukiana said, take it to your ancestors. The, and particularly, I would say, a male ancestors or ancestor. Do you understand how I got there, guys? You know what I mean? It's, it's the yeah, yeah, two are totally. very but, similar. Mm-hmm. So oh, uh, one question: Does the person know who the rival is, or is it just a, they're suspecting? It was just a question. A no, it wasn't even a suspicion. Mm. Just is there a rival? Yeah. So. I think that that what the difficulty is, I'm looking at this and seeing this maybe in a more pragmatic way. The court case issue definitely says we're dealing with a person who is um, socially on the sketchy side. Most people don't have court cases. Most people who are living upright lives um, don't have them. I mean, they might. It might be completely unjust. But the court case plus the ghosting shows me a stressed love partner. and mm, Unreliable. Yes, yes. There's something here that's not working. Now, I could say, ditch this person and run, but that, I'm not going to because that wasn't you know, the question. So what I'm going to say is we've had some good timing uh, thoughts here, and I'd like you to do some work with um, – love with Venus. I want you to use, oh, you know, some rose-scented perfume, something, you know, Venusian, and um, and also work with Saturn. And so Saturn can be, as I said, ancestors. If you can get to any of your ancestral graves, you would want the graveyard dirt of an ancestor of yours. If you cannot get to their graves or if they were cremated and put in urns behind concrete facades, uh, you can just take some dirt from a graveyard and call them into it and um, and you know invite them to be in it and give some libations to the dirt and say, you know, come into here by grandfather or whoever it is, and that dirt will then begin to assume the character, especially if you have a photo of the grandfather or great-grandfather or whoever it is that you're working with. Once you have this um, graveyard dirt, I want you to take a pinch of it and make put it into a mojo bag. And I'd like the mojo bag to, because mojos are of the earth, they're, they're herbs and roots and things like that. And I'd like you to put in some um, love herbs. I, I mentioned rose petals or rose buds. Um, you can put in a uh, little petition for honest communication, better communication, and for more love. You can put in some love herbs like Damiana or, um, you know, use some, 
of the various things that you can find at hoodooataglance.com. And there are so many things that are used for love, for passionate love, for sexual love, for romantic love. Just look up the herbs that ring your bell. You'll want at least three herbs and a pinch of that graveyard dirt of your ancestor and ask them to help you. And say, you know, carry it with you and say, please help me. You can sleep with a bag under uh, you too. If you want to make it very small, you could make it in a little locket, a little metal case or something. It doesn't have to be a big old flannel mojo bag. But I would um, burn candles while you do that and honor this ancestor who's going to help you because there is somebody, and it's a, I would say a male ancestor is what I'm seeing here. That's, that's my take on it. Does anyone else have anything else to add? I, I do have something to add. I think uh, the idea of a male ancestor is really great. Uh, because the whole re- reading does indicate that there is an intervention, that there is a third party, I would you call upon that male ancestor to act as a guardian for the relationship or as a protector of the relationship, that if this relationship is meant to be for me, make sure that it, it, this person remains true to me, that this other rival isn't able to intervene. And ancestors can be really great as guardians of relationships. They can protect people from straying or keep people from straying. They can protect from outside interference. Since there is this other person and there's an age gap, not necessarily older age gap, you can find out who they are eventually uh, with other forms of divination or even just snooping. Uh, Use or call upon the ancestor to ensure this other person isn't able to affect your relationship, that this other rival doesn't gain power or a foothold in your relationship. Yeah, that's a that's a really good idea. And also, ask when you're calling upon an ancestor, don't just randomly say, "Hey, can some ancestor come help me?" Since this is a love issue, you want an ancestor who had a good love life. You don't want that ancestor who died alone, drunk in a boarding house in Seattle, right? You want that ancestor who was surrounded by children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and had a 50-year-plus marriage. And if you don't know of an ancestor like that, you might have to go back a ways. But that is what you're calling up is an ancestor who had a good love life, who persevered in love and was able to create a a beneficial marriage and raise a family. Now, you may not want children yourself, but that's where that ancestor came from. You came from, where you came from, you came from that ancestor's loins eventually. So um, that's what I would do. And and remember that um, there's always put a timeline on it. Put a timeline on it. When Venus goes retrograde, it's going to make a downturn again. Be patient, but make a timeline and don't do this for the rest of your life if it's not working. Okay? All right, there's our music. Ah, next up, our announcer, Reverend Art, calling in from a different line. And hopefully this is working. Can you hear me? No, it does the same thing. Believe it or not. It's your fucking ISP. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said fucking, but it's your ISP, I'm sure. (laughs) It sounded a little bit better to me. Go ahead. Talk and we'll critique later. (laughs) Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. 
and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's second client. Our caller is Ms. Moody, calling from area code 631. Ms. Moody, are you there? Yes. Fantastic. All right. So you've it's stuck in moving forward. I'm wondering on how long it takes for the path to be open. Okay. I just Over to you, Ms. <laughs> yeah, that sounded almost worse. That, it always, I just, I'm, you know, for those diagnostic technicians among us, it always happens when he starts to talk. It's like a whole bunch of stale electrons build up in his line, and the minute he starts to speak, so we haven't solved it yet. It's definitely something in the lines. So how about you read that again, okay, Ms. Moody's statement? Okay, trying oh. something else. Okay. So Miss Moody writes, I feel there is no movement happening in my business, as in I feel it's stuck in moving forward. I'm wondering on how long it would take for the path to proceed, to be open. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I think we could hear that. Wow. All right. It sounds like a robot. You've been, yeah, you, you've, you've been auto-tuned into outer space. All right. Hi, Miss Moody. Hello. My gosh. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to do the first reading. So there's no movement happening in your business, and you feel stuck moving forward. All right. So let me ask a couple of questions. What's your sign of the zodiac? Gemini. Gemini. All righty. That would be pretty obvious answer right there. We can just say, gee, um, a, a Gemini and Mercury is retrograde. And this happens to be one of the worse and weirder Mercury retrogrades we've had for a long, long time. So there's not much I can say other than that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to um, do a three-card reading. And the question was, how long will it take for the path to be opened? Okay. So the first card I have here is a card that is called the Three of Wands. So the Three of Wands is a person who is sort of stalled out. They've sent their treasure ships over to China or someplace and hoping for them to come back and produce and bring to them uh, some, you know, some trade, some good trade, but it's sunset and they've been waiting all day long and their clothes are patched and torn, but they patch them artistically and they're waiting. And this is hope comes at the last moment or help comes at the last moment because it's sunset in the card. So I'm going to say that you have a a waiting period here of probably, usually I say either three weeks or three months, depending on the question, not, I mean, I could throw a coin which it would be but I'm going to say based on your question about business I would say three months I don't think your business is going to turn around in three weeks so the number three is um, tells you to be patient to wait and to watch and observe and things will start to come 
your way. The next card is the Empress. So the Empress is a card of a beautiful woman who is sitting on a a little park bench outdoors in nature, and she's very generous. She is um, known as a a cook, uh, a mother, a giver. She is sometimes called the pregnant woman, although when you really look at it, she doesn't look very pregnant, but she's supposed to be pregnant. She has on floral images. She has deciduous trees, coniferous trees. She has a little field of barley or wheat, maybe even rice in front of her. She has little soft cushy pillows. This is about giving and being generous. You need to be admired. Your business will pick up when you begin to have followers who admire you, people who think of you as an empress. So how does one become an empress? Well, not by putting on airs, not by saying, hi, you know, I'm I'm Miss Thing, the gift to humanity, you know, but to say, um, how can I help you? And the Empress is a card that is associated with uh, Earth goddesses like Gaia and also with Venus. She has a Venus symbol on her. And so she's kind of Venus slash mother, you know. And I would use um, ideas that were more Venusian in your advertising and um, because that's, that's what that card says. And then the third by Venusian, I mean showing love and, and, and goodness. So that's going to help you. And then the third card I have here is a fun card. Not, no, I'm saying that sarcastically. It's the Two of Swords. And this is a card of a woman who is sitting with her eyes blindfolded and her arms crossed across her chest with a sword in each hand. You may be under crossed conditions. You may have um, fear. Either one way or the other, it shows that you are not yet looking at things completely clearly. There is some good news. There's a little crescent moon. The new moon is in the sky, first sighting, first crescent. And if you were just to lay down your fear, your swords, and turn and face that moon, maybe do a bath, a cleaning, um, and uh, you know, open your eyes, wash your eyes, wash your eyes with eye bright or something, you will be able to go forward and uh, starting at the next growing of the moon. We're in right now in a waning moon cycle, so when the next waxing moon is when you should do that. Okay, That's my um, ideas on what I think you should be doing and what, what I see here for you. So the question was how long, and I'm saying give it three months. Um, you're in, the, in spring, which is when the empress is, and then you're going to want to work as the moon grows to bring in business. And it might take three moon cycles, three lunations of waxing moons. So that's my answer. Okay? Um, Let's turn this over to Lucianos and see what the answer is. Well, um, while you were talking, Miss Cat, I was indeed running the Oracle of the Worlds. And uh, first uh, question I should ask um what type of business are you in uh it's a bakery um cakes and cupcakes cakes and cupcakes okay so Cookies, that yeah. that actually ties in very very much to the venetian um very yeah. things that are going to be associated with celebrations 
Um, so very, very much in keeping also with the Empress in terms of feeding people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So right. the Oracle of the World says that um, your health is coming from the middle world. And specifically, it is coming from the natural world. And from within the natural world, it is coming from the world of plants. So, and uh, before I forget, I'm also going to mention, uh, Ms. Kat mentioned that Mercury, your, your sign ruler, is retrograde. Mercury is going to go direct on May the 15th, and it's going to cross over the degree at which it initially went retrograde on June 1st. That's about three weeks from now. This is not to say that your business is going to suddenly turn around in three weeks, but I would look for clues around that time to see where things actually are at that point. Because at that point, Mercury will not only have gone direct, but it will have made up all of the distance that it lost when it went retrograde. So file that away. So with the world of plants, this can mean everything from herbal baths. It can mean incorporating uh, plant allies, either in terms of having them in your environment, in your business. Um, Anything involving herbs, keeping um, sassafras root in your cash box, if you keep such a thing. I know that in many cases you may be completely digital, but if you do, it's always good to have the physical thing. Um, And... Again, I, I don't necessarily know what types of cupcakes or cakes you make, but uh, do you have any that have, say, a floral theme? Uh, yes, I have hibiscus, uh, and I try to incorporate as many. Uh, I also have rose-flavored buttercream, macaroons. Uh-huh. So I try to incorporate uh-huh. a lot of, like, flowers and essence. Yeah. I... Those also tie in with the imagery of the Empress. I would definitely lean into those in terms of your advertising, in terms of, you know, using, using the power of those flowers, which by their nature are very attractive, to draw in business. Um, that, that I think will be a good um, – that, that could actually be a, a potentially good working both the image of the thing and the actual thing, you know, materially. That's a really good idea to actually empower the things you're trying to sell. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like that a lot. Um, so um, let's see. Um we have um, a, a little time here, and um, I guess we're going to have Conjurman come in and mm-hmm. uh, give some advice. I just wanted to make a shout-out here to Seeker6, who was asking a question in the chat. Uh, we don't take questions in the chat, unfortunately, Seeker6. What we do is you sign up in advance. And so Reverend Art has posted the information, how you can um, – oh, no – Yes, Reverend Hart says, sign ups for next week's show. And there you go. All right. Um, okay, so let's um, turn this over to uh, Contraman with some ideas for what can be done having gotten this card reading and the Oracle of the Worlds reading. 
Thank you. I think you've, you've received some really cool and interesting advice here all right on the money. Uh, Ms. Cat was talking about Venusian things, and it very clearly came up. I think the herbal uh, recommendations that were by Lucianus are really important here. I do want to ask, do you have some type of social media presence with your business? Uh, yes, I do. I have an Instagram good. page, I'm actually, and on top of that, I'm currently working on a website. Good, good, okay. That's that's fantastic. That that you know, the way to interface digitally with your clients is going to be important. What I want you to do is, while the moon is waxing, to set up an altar for success. This can be uh, hidden inside the actual business itself. It doesn't need to be on display, though some people like to display their altars. They sort of hide it. Uh, you don't have to. You can you can place it, like for example, in your office or whatnot. But you're going to set up this altar for success, and you set it up with beautiful things, things that are attractive, things that draw in. I want you get a, to get a bowl of honey and put coins of every denomination in it, cover it in honey. This will bring sweetness and money to you. I want you to get three apples, and you're going to place it on the altar, and you're going to refresh those apples every week. You're going to leave it for a few days, and then you want to put those uh, apples out in the wilderness. Put it out under trees, and then refresh it. You're going to keep, uh, keep putting new apples on this altar. Apples bring in joy. Apples bring in goodness, and apples bring in wealth, and bring in love, and they're also very Venusian attacks into that embers. I want you to get a large plate and I want you to put a lodestone on it. Get a nice big lodestone. And you're going to sprinkle this lodestone with magnetic sand every week when you enter in your business. You're going to go in and you're going to sprinkle that magnetic, uh, some magnetic sand on that altar. And you're going to decorate this altar beautifully. You're going to put all the things that represent your company. I want you to make sure that your logo is nice and big and and right in the centerpiece of this altar around the lodestone. I want you to make sure your Instagram handle is there. Uh, make sure that it is decorated beautifully, that you put attention to it, but also that it is directly linked to your business. So if you're making things like if you've got a special, like you're making a new cupcake or you're making a new cake or whatever, I want you to put a little piece of that on the altar as well as whatever you put out on display so that there's always a link between what you're doing and this altar. I want you to get Queen Elizabeth Root, which is that very clearly linked to that uh, Empress card, but also to the idea of the middle world and the root helpers, and cinnamon, and place this into a spray bottle with some type of base scent that you find attractive. Cinnamon is always good. If you've ever walked into Disneyland, you're like, why does Disneyland smell? Uh-oh. Have we lost Conjurement? Hello? Can you hear me? There you are. Come back. Something about Disney well, that's not so good because... <laughs> yeah, I'm like, have you ever walked into Disneyland and you smell Disneyland? It smells fantastic. They pump the air with, with these scents so that you buy. So I want you to really take cinnamon and Queen Elizabeth and put it in a base scent. That base scent could be vanilla. It could be something else that you're attracted to. And you're going to put this spray on top of, in, this, in your altar as well, really close next to your lodestone, so that as you're feeding the lodestones, the 
spray bottle is also being charged with your prayers. And you're going to keep it there for at least one cycle of the waxing moon as the moon grows. After that, what you're going to do is that when you walk in, you're actually going to spray that bottle in the four corners of your business. You're going to walk in and just sort of spray it around so that it makes everything smell nice. Even if they don't smell it, the symbolic act of spraying will attract uh, business into your shop. You're also going to keep your business cards on that altar next to the lodestones, and then you're going to spray very lightly. You don't want to soak or stain these cards, but you're going to spray your business cards lightly with this uh, spray and hand it out. Make sure that every customer gets more than one business card with their order so that they will hand it out to other people. Not, not just keep one for themselves. Give them two or three so they hand it to a friend. Go and hand out business cards to others. Make sure that the business cards are out in the Creating this altar, what you're doing is creating a location of wealth. And that wealth will then manifest in your business. You will have your Instagram handle on there so, and your uh, icon on there so it will attract people to you digitally. You'll have your business cards on there that has been sprayed and charged so that it attracts people to you physically. And you'll have the spray which will constantly draw people into your business. You want to create a link between the business and the altar and you're doing this by putting whatever you make onto that altar as well as well as putting it on display by taking the spray that is on the altar and spraying at the front of the store. This way you create a bridge between the success you build in the altar and the money and you bring into your business. That's my recommendation here, working with altars and roots and sprays to draw in success. Let's see if we have any further additions from Miss Cat and Lugianos. Well, I have um, something I'd like to add. This comes from books like Hoodoo Food and also from um, Sneaky Tricks, which is a new book coming out by Miss Michael and me. When you're cooking, you are probably going to be using machinery, you know, that stirs things mechanically. But I want you to give at least a few stirs by hand and stir clockwise and um, as you stir pray into the dough or batter or whatever you're making stir clockwise to grow, for it to grow and grow and grow, make it better and, and make the business grow. You can also, if you're working with dough type products, people will, as you're kneading the dough, you can actually uh, punch little designs into it or um, some people actually make a, like a little stamp and stamp it into the bread dough and then fold it over. If it's batter, you can do the same. Um, be sure you color coordinate everything that you're working on too. I'm getting a very strong sense that you're good with color and that's going to be helpful to you. Try to use the Venusian colors of green and coral and uh, mm. you know, pink and red that are very um, nature-based. Don't use really unnatural colors. I would not use them. Um, is there anything you want to add, uh, Lucianus, real quick? Um. I, I am I am in awe of Conjurman Ali's breakdown of the application to herbal and natural magic to business. Mm. Thank you. I've, I'm I'm picking up some some tips there myself. Um, <laughs> but I, I would say um, I would also look into cultivating the plants themselves in the environment of your shop. Uh, you know, either they can even be artificial. They can be artificial mixed with real. Uh, but really bring them in on all levels. So they're in the cakes, they're in the atmosphere in, of the shop itself, they're on your business cards, 
And these things become mutually reinforcing. And when people see a rose, they're going to think of your shop. Exactly. Good ideas. All right. Well, I think we are um, going to have time for the network tritone and the network schedule announcement. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurement Sundays, 3 to 4.30, Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, Thursdays, 1 to 2, and Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8, all time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern. All of our shows are available in archives at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com, where you will see them listed by title and episode and with clickable links. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Lukianos of Lukianos.com in Maryland. Take it away, Lukianos. Thank you, Reverend Art. So uh, this afternoon, I thought I would present for you all an herbal tonic for creativity and inspiration. This can be used as a tea, taken internally, or it can be used as a bath. Uh, And you're going to start out with a base of Earl Grey tea. Why? Because it has bergamot. Uh, culinary sage, that's your salvia officinalis, and lemon balm, melissa officinalis. You're going to pour not quite boiling water over this. You're going to let them sit for about five to seven minutes, strain out the solids, and then you're going to take three parts of this tea that you've just made, and to that you're going to add one part of frankincense water. What is frankincense water, you ask? Well, frankincense water can be made by taking culinary-grade frankincense, about a teaspoon, and add that to one to two cups of spring water. Cover it, let it sit at room temperature overnight, and then in the morning, the liquid, that is going to be your frankincense water. So one part of frankincense water to three parts of the tea that you made. You can add honey to taste if you like. If you have sage honey, that's even better. And this is something that can either be used as the basis for an herbal bath, or you can sip it, sip it. A little goes a long way. You're not going to want to, you know, drink an entire cup of this all at once. Um, It won't kill you, but it's a much more pleasant experience if you sip it throughout the day, possibly while you're working on whatever creative endeavor uh, is currently at hand. Uh, If you do want to drink it in more the style of a normal beverage, I would say take one to two teaspoons of it, add it to a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, uh, even a cup of fruit juice, and then drink that as you would. Um, But that is uh, for creativity and inspiration. And of course, as always, 
pray over it according to your practice and ask it to get, grant you insight, ask it to help you access the highest creativity that you can in application to your task and go from there. All right. Um, hey, Maganda just asked you, Lukianus, in the chat, can we use this as a spray? Uh, absolutely. I would probably substitute just oil of bergamot for the Earl Grey tea if I were using it as a spray. But yeah, absolutely. It, it certainly would lend itself to that. Well, all right. Um, I'm going to say something about frankincense as an edible. Um, in the Middle East, especially in um, Iran, Iraq, Tajikistan, and all the stones, um, where Harmal or Aspand or Esfand or whatever you want to call it is used, Syrian rue is used to lighten your mood and get rid of the evil eye. There are different recipes rather than just burning plain Aspand and inhaling the um, fragrant uh, chemical compounds, but many people will add frankincense to it. And um, one woman who was uh, born in Iraq came to my shop and she showed me her recipe for making a spand. And then she showed she had frankincense in it and she said, it's good luck when you're making it to, to burn it to get the incense that you pick out some pieces of frankincense and chew them. And she says, chewing frankincense sweetens your breath and brings you good luck. So the idea of eating frankincense is a little foreign to most Americans, but it actually does have historical background. And I'm sure, Lucianus, you knew that, but I thought I had to tell the <laughs> peanut gallery. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, I mean, there's uh, it is an entire rabbit hole of the uh, medicinal and culinary uses for frankincense. Um, mm -hmm. In the chat, I see that... Uh, Nagashiva has kindly put up, uh, depending on the variety of frankincense that you're using, uh, some of them will have more water-soluble components than others. Uh, some of them have components that are only oil-soluble. Uh, and like I said, the rabbit hole is there if, if you choose to proceed down it. Yeah. And I have one other thing to say about frankincense. Along with myrrh, and um, aloes wood and a few other um, incense-bearing plants, the human overpopulation is threatening these, dragon's blood is another one, uh, threatening these wild-crafted plants. They don't have a high enough value on them to be planted in plantations, and they are usually gathered by poor and underpaid people who gather them in the wild and frankincense is under a great deal of ecological threat so when you buy frankincense don't just go for the cheapest but try to speak up for fair trade frankincense ethically sourced frankincense and the same for myrrh dragon's wood and definitely for aloes wood which is uh, even more heavily predated upon by uh, you know, Western people who want the beautiful fragrance and don't know what's going on in the native habitat of the plant. Frankincense is an amazing plant, and it has many, many medicinal and spiritual values to it. Mm, I love this working by, by Lucianas, and the use of frankincense is so fantastic. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. The, the other things that have been added here are... Um, 
you know, the bergamot and so forth. Now, uh, you mentioned maybe using it as a spray and using oil of bergamot, but if you wanted to use the Earl Grey tea, tea has a, a psychoactive property. And if you're using a spray that you'd like to have be water-based rather than heavily oiled, you would, of course, want to use the tea that had the bergamot essence in it. Uh, you can also get what's called a hydrosol of bergamot. Mm-hmm. Just look it up. Absolutely. Um, hydrosols are our friends where in spraying oils might ruin delicate fabrics, especially bergamot, which is in the citrus family and can strip paint off of furniture. Uh, yeah, so be- definitely a photosensitizer. So. Yes, it yeah. is a photosensitizer, and it's a, a chemical paint stripper. So bergamot, uh, orange, mandarin, all of those, be careful when you use those citrus oils. And people think bergamot, which they don't even know it's a citrus, but it is a citrus. All right. Um, well, this was great. Let's turn this over to Reverend Art, and we're going to see what fabulous mutations of his voice come forth this time. Thank you, Miss Cat, and thank you, Conjure Man. And thank you to Lukianos of Lukianos.com in, North, in Maryland for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers will be Nikki Jean of MsNikkiJean.com in Nashville, Tennessee, bringing us the topic of using bodily fluids. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend Art, joining you from folkconjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available and archived by luckymojo.com forward slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here. I invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody, and good night. Thank you so much, Reverend Art. You were not robotic that time. We don't understand it yet. (laughs) And thank you, Lukianus, for being our guest. Remember, Lukianus is going to be presenting a workshop at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival on um, From Whence Cometh My Help. And it's going to be uh, deep and spiritual, as Lucianus always is. You can buy your tickets for the festival. And there's a lot more going on. I'm going to be presenting Papa G, uh, Reverend Art. Just about everybody you know and love from air is going to be having a workshop or be on a panel. So get your tickets at hoodooheritagefestival.com. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you all. All right.